Matrix is a system, Neo. That system is our enemy. When you're inside, you look around, what do you see? Businessmen, teachers, lawyers, carpenters. The very minds of the people we are trying to save. But until we do, these people are still a part of that system, and that makes them our enemy. You have to understand, most of these people are not ready to be unplugged. And many of them are so inert, so hopelessly dependent on the system, that they will fight to protect it. Were you listening to me, Neo? Or were you looking at the woman in the red dress? Welcome to month eight of the Mark Kreslin Show Rescue Mission. We are here to save minds. Glad you joined us for a Tuesday broadcast, Tuesday, August the 9th, 2016. We're live Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Followed by my good friend Mike Church, host of the Mike Church Show, as a live call-in show. You can always call us anytime you'd like at 844-5-CRUSADE-844-527-8723. And don't think for a minute, I'm not serious about the rescue mission part of this. Why else do this? Why else get up and, and uh, at 5 o'clock in the morning and go on the air and blather for two straight hours? Well, I guess there are other reasons people would, uh, that could embrace. Mine happens to be genuinely a rescue mission. I hope to persuade over time millions upon millions of people that there is a better way forward than what we're doing now. Yesterday I had the privilege in the afternoon to speak to a group of what I would loosely call affectionately Christian nationalists. And as I do on my show, I raise some controversial topics Surprise, surprise. One of them being secession. But in the context of even as Christians hearkening back to uh, a group of other people who seceded at one time, who identified themselves as Christians, the founding fathers, the founding generation, all the way back to the pilgrims who left England because they thought life wasn't going so well for them over there. You see, folks, we are free agents. God empowered us back in the Garden of Eden to make choices, to exercise our free will. There are constraints on that free will, of course. The scriptures are full of them. And if you want to be pleasing to God, which I hope most of you in the listening audience desire to do, then the Bible are constraints on those freedoms, but there's still cho uh, choices to self-constrain. There will be an ultimate accountability for this. We all know it. It is that moment we go, <gasps> and we breathe our last. And we stand before a holy and righteous God, and we will give account for every choice we made. A choice to obey, a choice to disobey, a choice to rationalize. Are my choices of my Big Macs that I eat too many of them of? Too many of them? We will give account of how we utilized and how we stewarded the gift of free will. And so, as I was talking to this group yesterday, so much of this comes down to choices. Well, as is with all facets of life, certain things constrain our choice-making. Certain things confuse our choice-making. Certain things distract us from making good choices, like the woman in the red dress. Why are millions of people going to participate in this rigged, that's right, you heard me call it a rigged election, because it is rigged, but not for the reasons that 
people often think whoever Diabold or whatever the name of that company was that runs a lot of these machines. I you know I don't for a minute think there's you know that it's rigged. Does does technology make mistakes and miscount votes and stuff? Yes, there's track record. Is there corruption? Is there misvoting? Yes, I'm not arguing that point. But it's a rigged election, but not in the ways we typically think it's a rigged election. It's a rigged election because it's a bipartisan, corrupt, and morally bankrupt system of government that's easy to be rigged against you, by the way. So we get, we get uh, caught up. We get distracted by the woman in the red dress, if you will, by uh, focusing all of our energies and passions on the current uh, national election circus with three ring candidates in the middle, and we all get to watch them uh, act for us. And so we get distracted from our choices. We get persuaded to make a choice. But at the end of the day, we are responsible beings for what we have created here. And this is what I told the group. God is not going to blame the abortion issue on the 50s and the 60s and say, well, because there was a free love society and progressive thought really began to take hold in our university system, the 43 million babies, uh, 56 million babies that have been killed over the 43 years, I am laying squarely at the gate of the 60s generation. You people in the 60s that preceded the 73 decision, the 1973 decision, you people are going to now stand before me and give account for the death of those babies. No, God is going to blame us because we are refusing to exercise our free will in a manner that could actually bring about the end of abortion in your area. Unless we just want to... perhaps suggest we're just robots and we're programmed to do this evil. We're programmed to ignore problems and God just programmed us. To God, maybe it's even worse. Maybe God providentially is making us disobey him. <laughs> now, wrestle with that theological comment. God is making me disobey God. Of course, that's silly. That's pablum. That, that isn't the case. We're free agents. We're f agents of free will. We make free choices all the time. Every single day, you exercise the gift of free will in your life. You get up in the morning. You choose to take a shower. You choose to not take a shower. Women, you choose what kind of makeup you're going to put on. You choose whether you're going to put on makeup. By the way, I heard an old preacher friend once say, uh, for women, uh, for some women, it's sin to put on makeup. For other women, it's sin not to put on makeup. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that out there as a little mild attempt at humor. But women wake up and they choose what kind of makeup you're going to. You choose what you're going to put in your coffee. Some people drink their coffee black. Some people drink their cup coffee with cream and sugar. You choose what clothes you're going to wear. You, you choose what time you're going to leave to get to work. On and on and on throughout the day, we make choices constantly. And as I talked to this group yesterday... It was a great time, by the way. I, I, extorted, I, extorted, I exhorted them to believe that they are making a choice by the way they participate in this bipartisan, corrupt, and morally bankrupt government. They are making a choice to sustain it. That is all this election is. It's nothing more than that. There are going to be roughly 120, 130 million of people that are going to go to the polls because we can't change that. <clears throat> we can't change that right now. Our hope is in the future to be able to do so. But somewhere between 120, 130 people are going to go to the polls in November, on November 8th, 
and they are going to exercise their free will to vote for a system of government that does evil across all sorts of planes. You're going to do it. I'm not. I mean, I'm, you know I'm not. I've made my position exquisitely clear. I don't believe I can morally support this system of government. I will not stand before God and say, after after 2008, I participated in this morally bankrupt system of government. Now I will stand before him and I will give account for all the other years I did, all the other years I walked around in ignorance, self-imposed, self-imposed ignorance, I would say. And I did participate in this bipartisan, corrupt, and morally bankrupt government. Yes, I did. But I also, as I say routinely on my show, it's okay to be wrong. But it's not okay to stay wrong. Once I realized I was wrong, I stopped doing that behavior. So, as I exhorted these folks yesterday, we are complicit in all of this. We like to think we're not. We like to erase our complicity in this and just blame it on the politicians. Sure, that's an easy scapegoat. It's not us, Kreslins. It's those guys. Well, who puts them there? Who? They don't just magically appear. They certainly are not sent there by God. We don't have uh, we don't have uh, uh, proof of a uh, of four hundred and thirty five five hundred and thirty five incarnated beings from heaven. We send them there, and then they do what most politicians do, what most lawmakers do. They make laws. And those laws begin to put the noose around your neck. And then over decades, those laws tighten that noose. They tighten that noose around your neck. And you keep sending your executioner back to Washington, D.C. to eventually execute you. And then wonder, how'd that happen? How did I end up with my body here and my head over there? What what broke down, Kreslins? What didn't I see? Well, if you tune in to the Mark Kreslin show and the Mark and the Mike Church show and other shows here on the Veritas Radio Network, you will get a full dose of it. If you will become a crusader with us, you will get a regular dose of it. It will be no surprise how it happened that the news got put around our neck. That'll not be a surprise to anybody to the Mark Kreslin show or the Mike Church show or any of the shows that discuss politics here on the Crusade channel, part of the Veritas Radio Network. No, you will not be able to stand before God and say, oh, I didn't know. (laughs) When you will hear two hours of why there has to be real change in front of us versus the sophomoric, and I cannot emphasize sophomoric, childish, immature, whatever you want to call it, change that is proposed by both parties in Washington, D.C. It's a joke what these guys propose. And yet people swoon. Well, you just watch it, Kreslin. Trump's going to get him. Get who? That just betrays you don't have a clue how Washington, D.C. works. That's all that betrays. When people say things like, you just watch. You watch Trump's going to do it. You, Trump is a plain-speaking man. Reagan, arguably one of the better communicators from Washington, D.C. to the average American. Was he a uh, philosopher? 
Was he an academic and spoke at those levels? No. But what, in his ability to communicate to the average person, one of the best ever to sit in the White House. Started out with a campaign pr- uh, promise to end the Department of Education. At one point, it shifted over to end the National Endowment for the Arts. Remember all the controversy back in the 80s with Piss Christ, Robert Maplethorpe, all those guys back there? who were getting taxpayer-funded grants to paint their blasphemy. Do you remember all that? Oh, we're going to end the NEA. Uh, As far as I know, the NEA is still in existence, and I'm sure the Department of Education is still there. So for everybody who's running around saying, you just watched Trump, he's a plain-talking man. When he gets in there, he's going to shake things up. It only betrays you didn't learn anything from the Reagan administration, and you don't understand how Washington, D.C. works. You just don't understand it. And fair enough, I understand why most people don't understand it. They haven't had the experience that I had working there as a senior legislative assistant. I kind of get it. But at the same point, when there's people on the air like myself, like Mike Church for years, who have been crying out in the wilderness, there's a real problem there. And we choose to ignore the warning. Well, how can we cry foul when we stand before God and say, I didn't know? Well, I'm going to give you some examples here in a few minutes of why I make the claim this is a bipartisan, corrupt, corrupt, corrupt government that does evil things. My hope is to persuade you not to legitimize it with your vote. Clear your conscience. Your vote is so meaningless other than the fact that you give the government a sense of legitimacy. When, it, when those poll numbers come back in the evening of November 8th and the reporters breathlessly report who won the uh, national election circus, which party holds the uh, two branches of government, and they start tab- tabulating the numbers, and before you know it, we're up over 120 million people. You know the only thing you did in that election, is you legitimized evil because they walk away with those numbers and say, there, see, the people support us. 120 million of them went out to vote. We've got 200 and some odd million adults. I forgot, I think the last number I saw was 212 million registered voters or something like that. 60% of them went out and voted. There, we're over 50 majority of the country supports this system of government. That's all you do. That's, that is really all you do with your vote. I hope you understand that. You don't, you're not picking between righteousness and unrighteousness. This is a bipartisan, corrupt, and morally bankrupt system of government. You're legitimizing that. Now, I know this may be hard to hear because for years you've plugged into the matrix. For years you've, taken, you've been on the blue pill and maybe you're entertaining taking the red pill. For years you've listened to mainstream conservative talk radio. By the way, if you did not hear Mike's show yesterday, if you were a Founders Past member today, I would require you as a listener of the Mark Kreslin show to download his show, which you can only do that if you're a Founders Past member. He had a great show yesterday. And not that all of his shows aren't great shows, they're good shows. But sometimes, like all of us in the talk show uh, profession, we have some days that are better than others. And yesterday was a standout day for Mike on his show, talking about mainstreaming our ideas. You should download that show. If you're not a member, become one today. It'll cost you 23 cents a day to become a Founders Pass member and get your hands on that show. He does a great job of explaining why our ideas, there's nothing wrong with mainstream. Yes, you heard, you hear me use the term mainstream conservative talk radio, and I use it as a kind of a pejorative. But as he argued yesterday, there's nothing wrong with mainstream. 
we just have to get our mainstream to be supported by the majority of the people. Well, for those of you who have listened to mainstream conservative talk radio for the last 20 years, you're going to believe it's your civic duty to go and legitimize the illegitimate by voting November 8th. You're going to you're going to feel that impulse. My guess is even those of you who swore off uh, voting this year for the, in this national election circus. Now, I would encourage you to vote in your local elections and your state elections. But those of you who have right now on August 9th sworn it off as the pressure builds towards November 8th, you're going to feel a massive tug to participate. You're going to feel it. Some of you may actually go back on what you know to be uh, the problem, and you're, you'll go to the booth and you'll vote. And then you'll come back and listen to me the day after, a few days after, with a little twinge of guilt because you violated your own deeply held beliefs. I get it. I understand the pressure, especially those who are coming out of the right versus left paradigm. They spent their entire... I struggled with it, folks. I get it. But I will tell you that, as I told that group yesterday, it doesn't dismiss us of our complicity in this. We can't... We won't be able to stand before God and say, Oh, God, God, I listened to to mainstream conservative talk radio and I felt the pressure and I just, I caved, I caved. No, that will not be a legitimate excuse. So, you know, I will not be supporting, I will not be voting in this, uh, in this uh, bipartisan corrupt, morally bankrupt national election circus because I will not I will not uh, legitimize the corrupt things that are going on there and in that regard I want to draw your attention to an article I put out on uh, on Facebook this morning and also on Twitter by the way by the way uh, I have a website markkreslins.com my email is mark at markkreslins.com if you'd like to get in touch with me you can always go to my Facebook page Facebook slash the Mark Kreslin show or you can follow me on Twitter at Mark Kreslin's, and both of those last two, I put out the articles, article I'm going to talk about this morning. The one I put out is, there's really a few articles I'm going to work myself through, and then I want to get to some other topics towards the end of the show. But I want to talk about, you know, this idea of corruption, and why we really do seriously have to pause and, and, uh, and reflect you know, there's a real lost art in our world today. It's pondering. There used to be a time when you had time to ponder because you weren't chasing Pokemon uh, around uh, your neighborhood. But today we are so filled with entertainment and opportunities for entertainment, we have thrown off pondering. We don't really stop and reflect and think through things anymore. We, we're on, we leave one entertaining or... Um, exciting moment and move on to the next and we seek the next thing. We can't, we, we, we struggle sitting still and just thinking. And we do that, by the way, to our, um, uh, to our, to negative consequences in our lives. The inability to sit and ponder almost automatically makes you not a very good thinker. Because some of these ideas that we discuss on this show, Mike discusses on his shows, really take some time to reflect on. So I use the word, the phrase, bipartisan corrupt in my little statement about a bipartisan corrupt and morally bankrupt de facto versus de jure, illegitimate, evil, national, masquerading as a federal government located in Washington, D.C. You hear me, I use it all the time. Well, those components of that phrase, you remember a couple of weeks ago I talked about words. Words have meaning, and when they're strung together in a sentence, they communicate ideas and thoughts. Well, when I use those words, bipartisan, both parties, corrupt, I chose those words deliberately because I wanted to communicate an idea. So it's not just trying to be 
a smart aleck here and come up with a clever way to describe the problem, excuse me, um, that I see. I really do believe at a bipartisan level, using the word corrupt, there is a willingness to act dishonorably in return for money or personal gain in Washington, D.C. So I, when I say bipartisan, both parties, they both have a willingness, using the word corrupt, defining the word corrupt, to act dishonestly and in return for money or personal gain. I mean that. I actually mean it. And you know what? Not only do I mean it, I have examples of it. Just reading these examples is enough to say, why would I vote to legitimize this system that lets this happen? Let's cover a few here. This is from the 2013 report. It's up on my web, or Facebook page, Facebook slash The Mark Kreslin Show. It's also out on Twitter. It's from Judicial Watch. Unfortunately, it's a, uh, it's a late, early 2014. The title of the article is Judicial Watch Announces List of Washington's 10 Most Wanted Corrupt Politicians for 2013. They do this from time to time. They did it for 2011, 12, and 13. Uh, I don't think they've done it for 14. At least I haven't found it yet. They may still be compiling. Who knows? Um, but they list the top 10, and then they have some dishonorable mentions from 2013, the corruption that these supposed um, elected officials, honorable, uh, the fact that they even describe themselves uh, to the, I would never send a letter to a congressman and address him as honorable, by the way. When I send letters, when I, as infrequently as I do, I say, uh, to my member of Congress, dear Tom, Tom Cole. I don't call him the Honorable uh, Thomas Cole. If I was to send a letter to Barack Obama, I would send, uh, dear Barack. I'm not going to respect these people. I'm not going to give them the title of Honorable. They refer to themselves that way all the time. My good friend and the Honorable uh, Congressman from uh, the 6th District of Georgia. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to honor these people. They're despicable people. So, to their list. Number one on the list... Speaker of the House John Boehner in 2014. House Speaker John Boehner has apparently become a master at what Government Accountability Institute President Peter Schweitzer calls the, quote, tollbooth strategy, close quote. As Schweitzer explains in his new book, Extortion, how politicians extract your money, buy votes, and line their own pockets, you pay money at the toll booth in order to use a toll or a bridge, right? The methodology in Washington is similar. If someone wants a bill passed, charge them money to allow the bill to move down the legislative highway. According to Schweitzer, Boehner apparently used the toll booth strategy to collect more than $200,000 in political donations from executives just days after, I'm sorry, days before holding vote on bills critically important to their industries. You get that? You pay a couple hundred thousand dollars at the toll booth, the, the John Boehner toll booth, in order to get your bills passed. CIA Director John Brennan. In mid-December 2013, Judicial Watch obtained the release and released the full transcript of a May 7, 2012 teleconference between then-White House top counterterror advisor, now CIA Director John Brennan, and various TV uh, terrorism consultants in which Brennan revealed that the U.S. and its allies had inside control over any plot in its effort to thwart <clears throat> a May 2012 terrorism bomb plot, thus blowing the cover on undercover agents within al-Qaeda. 
the Brennan revolution, uh, revelation of inside control, an intelligence community euphemism for spies within the enemy operation, reportedly helped lead to the disclosures of previously well-kept secret at the heart of the joint U.S.-British-Saudi undercover terrorism operation inside Yemen, uh, Yemen-based Al-Qaeda in the Arabian principle, uh, a peninsula. Good old Brennan handing out state secrets. Another currency that's traded for uh, for influence, for power. Senator Saxby Chambliss makes the 10 worst list for what he actually did in 2012, but was finally exposed in 2013. Just as House Speaker John Boehner, uh, just as with House Speaker John Boehner, Saxby Chambliss misdeeds were revealed in Schweitzer's book. In fact, Chambliss is highlighted as one of the key abusers who helped use, uh, who used the leadership pack loopholes to convert campaign cash into lavish lifestyle upgrades for themselves and many members. The book details the extravagant expenses of Senator Saxby Chambliss, Republican for Georgia, for instance, whose leadership pack spent $10,000 on golf at Pebble Beach, nearly $27,000 at Ruth Chris Steakhouse, and $107,000 at the exclusive Breakers Resort in uh, Palm Beach, Florida. That's what this guy's doing. He got caught converting campaign cash into golf, steak, and hotel rooms. They list a few more. Former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, Attorney General Eric Holder, former IRS Commissioner Stephen T. Miller. You can read all these yourself. I've got it over on my uh, Facebook page, Facebook slash The Mark Kreslin Show. I've got it over. I've, I shared it out on Twitter. You see, when I claim that this is a bipartisan, corrupt, and morally bankrupt government and system of government that allows for this type of government, I don't make it up. I've actually got the facts. Let's look at the top 10 from 2010. We've got Spencer Baucus, Republican from Alabama. Senator John Enzo. Well, let me read Baucus's. His was particularly bad, I think. Uh, hang on a second. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Here it is. Okay, so Senator, uh, I'm sorry, uh, is he a House member? I can't remember. Let me see. Yes, he's in the House. Okay, so um, Senator Spencer Bacchus from uh, Alabama, he has become the face of congressional insider trading scandal that rocked the Washington establishment in 2011. Do you remember that scandal, by the way? the insider traders, uh, trading scandal, if you got caught with information on stocks before news or an IPO was released or, or something else significant in the company's uh, life occurred that would cause its stock to go up or go down, if you got that information before everybody else got it, it's called insider trading, you would go to jail. Not your wonderful congressman. Nope, they get this information. They get to trade out it and line their pockets. Let's continue reading here. Uh, Representative Spencer Bacchus, chairman of the House Financial Services Committee, was one of the principal targets of a 60-minute investigative report on the scandal, which aired on CBS uh, in September 2011. The report was based at least on part, in part on the book, Throw Them All Out by author Peter Schweitzer, which outed a slew of members of Congress who allegedly profited in the financial markets by trading on insider information. Bacchus was not the only congressman cited by the 60 Minutes um, report. Others included Speaker of the House John Boehner and House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi. But the Alabama Republican stood out for his remarkable, quote, good fortune, close quote, in shorting the stock market. According to the allegations made by Schweitzer in 60 Minutes, Congressman Bacchus 
at the time, the ranking Republican on the Financial Services Committee traded short-term stock options in 2008 after, 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 after receiving a private briefing for congressional leaders by Secretary of the Treasury Hank Paulson and Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke. The subject of the briefing, the pending meltdown in the global economy, those privileged to attend the meeting reportedly sat around a table in Pelosi's office having left their cell phones outside the room to avoid leaks. Folks, do you get why I call this a bipartisan, corrupt, and morally bankrupt government and system of government and people who occupy this government? They knew they were doing evil when they walked into that room, so they left their cell phones out in the, in the hallway so there could be no leaks. Congressman Bacchus's aggressive trading practice, the article goes on to say, in which he was able to benefit by betting on falling stock prices, reportedly earned him substantial profits from some of the 40 trades placed during the months July through August I'm sorry, July through November 2008, many of the trades occurring after the September meeting. In the wake of the Congressional Insider Trading Scandal, by the way, I'm going to give you some information here in a moment that proves that it is still an insider trading scandal in the bipartisan, corrupt, morally bankrupt Washington, D.C. It's still going on. In the wake of the Congressional Insider Trading Scandal, legislation banning insider trading is under consideration. Congress, this is how they get themselves out of trouble. A sick, perverted, evil scandal happens there. They run to the floor and introduce legislation. All the people say, there, they're going to knock this off now. And guess what happens to that legislation? It disappears. The Senate Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee advanced a bill banning insider trading on December 14th, and then it was also pushed over in the House. This is laughable, folks. It's sickeningly laughable. It's not laughable in some humorous way. It's laughable in that we don't do anything about it, but yet we complain we complain, we complain, we complain, we complain, we complain, we complain, we complain. And we've got all this power to do something about it. And what do we do? Absolutely nothing. Let's go. Trump will fix this. You just wait, Kreslins. Trump is going to shake things up there. Don't think for a minute Donald Trump hasn't benefited in some way, from insider information. They've got a 2012 version of this. It just gets sick. I mean, you got uh, uh, former Gen uh, Senator John Ensign. You know his scoop. Here's a supposed devoted Christian out there sleeping around with the women. Got busted. And then there's Holder again. He shows up on this list. Let's see. Oh, yeah, the wonderful Elsie Hastings, the impeached federal judge who then ran for Congress. Hey, you people in Florida, in his district, shame on you. You put a criminal into Congress. Then he got nailed for uh, uh, sexually harassing some of his staff. You got Representative Jesse Jackson. Remember the whole Blagojevich, Blagojevich the former governor of uh, Illinois? Remember that, Dandy? Don't think Obama wasn't involved in that as well. And then they got Obama on this list. They've got uh, <clears throat> Representative Laura Richardson. She shows up here. Let me see what she did. Oh, uh, yeah. She, she was uh, reportedly misusing her congressional staff for personal and political gain. She probably had him washing her car. Believe me, I knew guys up there that did that. Representative David Riviera, from, a Republican from Florida. What did he do? Money laundering and tax evasion schemes. Well, I don't mind the tax evasion schemes. 
Maxine Walters, of course, you'd expect her to be on that list. Representative Don Young, let's see what he did. Uh, uh, okay, uh, it has to do with campaign finances. Uh, then you got uh, former Senator John Edwards, Barney Frank. Newt Gingrich is on this list, legitimately so, by the way. But no, let's get, hey, we need Newt to be the vice president. Janet Napolitano, Nancy Pelosi, Charles Rangel, surprise, surprise. I've got it up on my Facebook page, Facebook slash The Mark Kreslin Show. If you want to look at why the fact base behind my claims that this is a bipartisan, corrupt, and morally bankrupt system of government, have at it. Now, I want to get to this final one before we take a break. This is current. This is from an August 3rd. 2016 report. I will tweet it out during the break. I will put it up on my Facebook page as an addendum to my page. The title of this article is Something Strange Emerges When Looking at a Congresswoman's Day Trading Records. This is over at Zero Hedge, by the way. Well, we have often heard that members of Congress who are not only exempt from insider trading oversight, are also ardent day traders. We have never seen it in action. They've heard about it. We've heard that congressmen spend a good deal of their time day trading. Oh, Tyler Durden over there at Zero Hedge claims we've never actually seen it in action until now. By the way, remember my statement earlier about when the insider trading scandal hit the headlines? You had leading congressmen running to the floor, putting in legislation. What do you think happened to that legislation? <laughs> they got their PR play out of it. You just watch. Congress is going to clamp down on this insider trading. Well, according to old Tyler here in this article, they're still exempt from getting insider training, uh, trading information. In other words, they can get insider trading information and not go to jail. However, if you did it and you got caught, guess where you're going? You're, they're gonna hose, they are going to stick it to you in ways that you can, they're going to make you an example. These utter frauds in Washington. So he claims that we have never actually seen the day trading in action until now. The following publicly filed monthly periodic trans transaction report by Democrat Congresswoman. And don't don't hear the word Democrat and think, ah, oh, I knew those Democrats. They yeah, they were corrupt, but not not our guys. Folks, I just read to you about uh, Spencer Bacchus. He's a Republican. That's why I call it. Bipartisan, so don't get distracted by party labels here. Don't feel holier than thou about your party. Your party is doing this. The following publicly filed monthly periodic transaction report by Democrat Congressman Judy Chu shows us just how pervasive day trading is, not only for the algos, those guys who have um, algorithms written to high-speed trade, but for those who supposedly are paid to serve their constituents. What is interesting is the size of the trades between $1,000 and $15,000 each. This is not some novice penny pincher. What is even, and by the way, if you've never traded the S&P, I have a 15000 trade. You're buying a bunch of contracts, folks. And you're putting a lot of money at risk. And day trades, don't forget, they happen. Day trade means they happen within the day. You open your day and you close your day trading. So there may be, there were days I was making 30, 40 trades a day. You're in and out quick. You buy, you sell. You sell, you buy if you're shorting. Sometimes in a matter of minutes. What is interesting uh, about uh, Congressman Chu is the size of her trades. They were between $1,000 and $15,000 each. This is not some novice penny pitcher. This is what is even more interesting are the underlying securities of choice. 
volatile and levered calls and puts, not only on the S&P 500, but also on some of the most volatile securities out there, such as the VIX. By the way, it's a, it's a, vol, it's a volatility indicator of the market, the VIX. If you, if you trade the VIX, you can anticipate some wild swings throughout a given day on the VIX. But that's why it's the volatility index. It tells you how volatile the market is on any, on any given day. And day traders like volatility. That's how they make their money, with upswings and downswings. Here are some examples of the trades in question. And then he posts the trades, the actual trades that she made. And she goes on to say there are more of these, much more, some nine pages worth of these trades just for the month of June. The full breakdown is at the bottom of the post, and he's got the link there. While we would be the last to begrudge Mrs. Chu her day trading largesse, whether or not in possession of material, non-public inside info at the time of trading, after all, it is legal by all means trade inside information. Or if it is legal, by all means trade. Uh, if it is legal, by all means trade on inside information, something did catch our interest about her trading. According to her public profile, the Democrat represented the 27th District, uh, taught psychology for 20 years in the East L.A. Community College System from 1981 to 2001, and reported a pension of between $100,000 and $250,000 for those years of work. She also draws a smaller pension from serving on the Monterey Park City Council. She became a member of Congress in 2009. In other words, a community college psychology teacher who day trades the S&P calls and puts in sizes up to $15,000? Maybe she is merely piggybacking on her husband's net worth. Then again, maybe not. Her husband, former Assembly Mike Eng, is senior part partner at an immigration law firm and he is valued somewhere between $250,000 and $500,000. And then we look at her net worth, which is where things begin to get interesting because this career psychology professor currently has a average net worth of between, I'm sorry, average net worth of $3.5 million, which according to InsideGov makes her the 103rd richest member of the house. Chu's net worth was 3.2 times more than the average member of Congress and four times more than the average representative in the House. When compared to Cal the California congressional delegation, Chu had a net worth of 3.6 times more than the average. But most interesting is the history of Representative Judy Chu's net worth over a short six-year period as shown in the chart below, and then it gives you a chart. To summarize, a former East L.A. psychology professor with an annual pension started off her congressional career with virtually nothing in the bank and over the next five years built up a net worth of over $3 million. Ding, 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 ding. Should there be alarm bells going off? We are curious how. It wasn't with the modest salary that members of the House collect. It wasn't from outside activities. It wasn't from her husband, which leaves us just one possibility. Her phenomenal day trading skills, which are made even more phenomenal since her trades are exempt from regulatory oversight. We are curious, why does Mrs. Chu waste her amazing trading talent in D.C., uh, when she could be working for Stephen Co or Steve Cohn, or better yet, run her own hedge fund making billions. Because if she can recreate her phenomenal six-year return with outside capital, we would be the first in line to let her manage our money. Assuming, of course, she can repeat her trading performance when the SEC at least pretends to care. Folks, the, the entire system is corrupt, from the SEC to the Congress to the Federal Reserve to the White House to the various agencies. The entire thing is corrupt. Judy Chu, a psychology professor with no day trading skills, let's be honest here, got insider information 
as a House representative and took her zero net worth to three uh, over three million dollars on your dime. You paid her to do that. How does that feel? All right, folks. Well, if you like what you hear on this show, you're not going to hear this on other shows. If you like this on this show and you want to uh, support our crusade, then please consider becoming a Founders Pass uh, member in doing so today. The Veritas Network, in fact, is giving away a free autograph by the writer and producer, Mike Church, a free autographed DVD copy of The Road to Independence, the movie, the real story of America's struggle for independence, the critically acclaimed groundbreaking feature film that tells the dramatic story of Patrick Henry, George Washington, and Thomas Jefferson's heroic, and I mean heroic, efforts to lead their countrymen to a declaration of independence. You won't get the information anywhere else that you'll get in this DVD. No strings attached, no conditions. Just become a Founders Pass member, yearly or better, yet become a founding brother, founding father, crusader, and we'll ship you the DVD with a case signed and dated by Mike Church for free. This promotion ends August 30th, so subscribe today. And you'll also be registered to win our monthly, <clears throat> excuse me, our monthly giveaway of a Grace Digital Mondo Radio that is pre-programmed with the Crusade Channel as preset number one. Also, if you're a f- become a founding father or a crusader, or you make a $500 cash donation to our monthly crowdfunding campaign, we'll also send you a beautiful handcrafted wooden kitchen cutting board from our friends at McClureBlock.com. Please join our crusade today. Don't put it off and become a Founders Pass member. It's very simple to do. Just go to VeritasRadioNetwork.com, click on the Join button. You'll see a whole host of ways to do so. Or you can call and give us your information over the phone at 866 483 3833, that's 866-483-3833. Our number is 844-5-CRUSADE, 844-527-8723. You're listening to the Mark Kreslin Show here on the Crusade Channel, part of the Veritas Radio Network, radio the way it should be.